maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Roland, welcome to Becoming Legendary, man. How are you today? Fantastic. Thank you so very much for having me on. How are you guys? Yeah. Super good. good. Super excited. To, super excited to connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the patience. I know, uh, I know it's been, <laughs> been difficult connecting, but uh, glad we made it happen. Yeah. It's glad just, you're feeling better, man. Heck yeah. 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 You were you were dealing with some you were dealing with some pretty significant uh, illness. Yeah. Just uh, just wasn't well for a couple of weeks, but uh, fought on through it, and am here, healthier, and. And ideally stronger than I was before. So it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Back ready to roll. Um, That's can it. You, can, I, can I just open the floor to you to just kind of describe who you are to our audience and anybody who might not know, know exactly who you are? Who I am? Oh, man, that's a, that's a question. We could be here for a while, but that's as to, <laughs> you know, where I, I born and raised in South Africa, lived there until I was 18. I came to the U.S. on a swimming scholarship. I was down in Tucson at the University of Arizona, swam for them. I lived down in Tucson for 10 years. Uh, after that, I moved back to South Africa for a period of time to be with family. I moved to Europe, to the south of France, to Marseille for a period of time, moved back to South Africa again. And then in 2011, just had the opportunity to move back to the U.S. to swim with a coach that I had you know, swam with in college and who got the head coaching position at the University of Arizona or at uh, Phoenix Swim Club, actually, stand corrected. But the agreement with him was, you get the job, I'll come swim for you. And he got the <laughs> job and I came across to Phoenix and, and I've been in Phoenix since 2011. So my background, really, I started swimming kind of late, 15. I'd always been athletic. So have, you know, my mm. profession was as a professional athlete or professional swimmer. And now just sort of invested in my growth and my development and, you know, what that looks like. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a four-time Olympic athlete. Is that true? That's it. Four times as an athlete and once as a coach. That's a, that's a pretty rad resume right there. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Right <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. I was going to say, but we've, we're done now. We're done. Awesome. Thanks guys. That was great. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so so as you turn a page into personal development where where are you headed where, where is this path where's this new path that you found focus upon where do you want it to take you yeah i mean i think it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know so i don't know where it's going to take me all i know is that you know i was in, i was deeply unhappy with who i was as a human being and uh, just wasn't feeling satisfied and i you know, I didn't find that glory and um, sense of self-achievement or accomplishment through swimming and, and winning and, and that whole thing. But you know, going past that and sort of becoming removed from swimming, kind of dealing with my identity, um, sort of to the tail end of my career, you know, feeling a loss of self, feeling a loss of identity, not knowing who I was. And I think that sort of perpetuated, or not perpetuated, but sort of precip uh, precipitated the the idea of like, who am I? You know, yeah. I thought my identity was being a swimmer. It's clearly not because that has to end. So who really am I? Yeah. So I think that's really been the genesis of it and a continuation of figuring it out, living with a, a greater level of awareness now than, than I did at that point in time. Um, what it's going to look like in the future, I don't know, uh, yeah. which is the cool thing. Uh, I think yeah. I am I'm open to possibility of things happening. So it's, um, yeah, for me, it's just living in this moment right now, trying to do the best I can with the tools in which I have at this point in time, um, knowing and living with the possibility that anything is, uh, you know, I'm capable of anything tomorrow. Post, post swimming, what, what, what kind of tools or practices have allowed you to deepen the awareness of who you are? Like have, have those practices changed since post swimming or, or what, you know, just curious as to, as to what allows you to, to further explore your identity. Yeah, I think, I think as an athlete or for me, just growing up, there was a, a you know, I had to achieve things. I had to, for me, it's like, I had to be better. 
continuation of I have to be better, I have to be better. Um, and I think that just boils down to certain moments in my childhood where I felt like I needed to be better than I was um, in order to be seen and heard, whatever it could be. Uh, but for me, that was really, I had a point to prove. And I did so by really being my own worst enemy. Uh, you know, I'd beat myself up. I call myself an effing pussy, whatever it is, you know, and, yeah. and, it, and it served its merits in, in many ways. I think for, for a lot of professional athletes, a lot of businessmen, any successful people, we, we have a need to put ourselves into a corner and then be able to fight our way out. And for me, that was great when I was competing as an athlete. But when that went to you know, being myself and dealing with, you know, anything that made me human, um, say, you do something dumb and you're like, you effing pussy. It's like, ah, oh, well, no, I mean, that doesn't quite sell, really serve a purpose at this point in time. So it, mm. it's been an evolution of my train of thought. It's for me now, it's about love and acceptance. Mm. Can I love and accept myself for who I am right in this very, very minute, whether I'm uh, making errors, whether people around me love me or not? Can I just sit? Can I just be? Mm. So it, it, yeah, it, it's been beautiful to to be able to recognize that myself, to be able to sit back and say, okay, well, this is where I believed I needed work and growth and maturity and be able to look back at it now, you know, one week, one year, one month, five years later and say, okay, well, I'm happy with the progress I'm making. That's so the end of an athletic yeah. career is a pretty shocking experience, right? It's um, you kind of go from, from a stage and a platform. And then all of a sudden one day you're just, you're just pushed into more or less obscurity, right? You, you become this normal mortal citizen once again. And um, I think that, I think that that's a very, I think that that's a very fascinating experience to go through. And I think there's a couple of ways that you can come out of that. And the way that you've come out of that, which is like to push into humanizing yourself and to, to allow that vulnerability into the space is it, is it, is the, the right path, right? It's, the other path, the other path is very destructive. So when, when you got to the point, the realization that, okay, this is, this is the last one, right? It's like, I'm done being a professional athlete. Can you just, can you give me kind of the mindset that you were in at that moment? And then what pushed you into this path of, oh yeah, I don't have to be this like super badass, which I think, you know, male species in general is put in a very tough place where we're expected to be like, yeah. Uh, very stoic and 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 very ab abrasive is the wrong word, but yeah. stoic and powerful. And then at the oh, same time, it's like, hey, also everyone's going to appreciate if you're super vulnerable. So figure that out. Good luck, males. Have fun. <laughs> right. So you're saying I'm not a badass anymore? <laughs> no, I'm saying you're more of a badass. I'm I'm saying that you found okay. the path to badassery, right? Like I think that once you allow vulnerability into your life, but I think that. I think that we fool ourselves, especially at the, especially at the end of athletic careers where we like try to puff our chest out. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey, I need to prove myself now in a different way. And it might be for me, it was six to eight hours at the gym every day. Right. It's like, we, we find ways to, to puff our chest out after the mm -hmm. end of an athletic career. So what pushed you towards this more, more vulnerable path? Yeah, I don't, there was never, it wasn't like it was a one day thing or, you know, all of a sudden I realized, I think it really took a, a, a while, you know, in 2012, finished sixth at the Olympics. I was really, really happy. 2013 world championships and an amazing world championships. Uh, 2015, you know, wasn't great. I switched coaches. I was, um, you know, but I still had a mindset of more. I have to do more. If I want to be better, I, I have to do more. And you know, I, I think that's a mindset a lot of us have and a lot of us struggle with, especially in the, you know, the sporting fraternity. Um, and 2016, went to the Olympic trials. I missed my first South African team. I finished third in you know, 50 meter freestyle, which would have been my pet event at that time. Uh, so I think that sort of started it. It was the first time I'd ever missed a South African team in, since 1998. So a significant period of time. Um, wow. That was difficult to me to, to comprehend. I think I, I innately knew and understood that I had been overtrained going into it. But I think that sort of started the idea of like, well, I've missed this. I didn't think I was going to miss it. And now what? 
Mm. You know, I think there was a level of expectation every time. It's like, well, I'm good enough. I'm going to make the team. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm going to make the team. If yeah. I go to the major meet and I don't do well, that's fine. At least I was on the team. And then in 2016, I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to go to the Olympics at all. Uh, a friend of mine from Trinidad and Tobago gave me a call and said, hey, he's similar age to me. And we'd been going through similar things and a very, very good friend and brother of mine. And he just said, hey, do you want to go as my coach? Because I appreciate the feedback that you're giving me and mm. you want to have you on the journey. I, it was amazing for me to go to the Olympics and be there and you know, my goal sort of was, okay, well, I'll go to the Olympics and I'll enjoy the experience. I'll, I'll enjoy it from a side that I hadn't ever been able to do before yeah. because I'd been so focused and so pedantic and methodical about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve that I sort of neglected and negated that component of it, the, that childlike yeah. you know, wonderment wonder, of everything. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went to the Olympics, had an opportunity to really enjoy it and uh, had a meet in Brazil a couple of weeks after that, swam. I was okay. Um, it wasn't great. But at that point in time, I was I decided, you know, I'm going to step away from the sport. And that's sort of really, you know, who am I? Like, I've, I've won a, you know, I think I put it on my Instagram account. It's like I won an Olympic gold medal. Now what? Now what? Because <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us live with this idea that when we achieve a certain thing or, if we have a certain amount of money or if we marry the right partner or whatever it is that we're just going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, what is there more in an athlete's world in a lot of people's world than an Olympic gold medal? So I thought, you know, all of a sudden I'd be rich. Um, I'd be famous. I'd be X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, they were great. And there were certain trappings that were amazing that I enjoyed because of it. But the reality was that I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't happy. And, you know, and it got to starting to understand. It's like, okay, well, I'd, I'd won so many things. Why was I still unhappy? Yeah. Um, why wasn't I feeling fulfilled? And I've, I've always been very cerebral. I've always been into philosophy. I studied psychology. Uh, so for me, there was always this desire to understand the mind, to understand the body, to understand what makes us so uniquely us. Um, that really, that got me on the train of thought. So, okay, well, if, if I'm not swimming, which I'm not, like, who am I really? You know, uh, like, what can I do? Where is my value at? So it was really digging into that in, in huge amount of depths and going through huge amounts of despair and depression and struggle of really trying to come to grips with, well, I'm not a swimmer. I was swimming something I did and I did it really, really well. And I did it for, you know, as long as I could. And I still believe that they're, you know, with the right training, um, with the right eating and recovery methodologies that we have today that I can still be successful and still swim fast. So is there an, you know, was there a desire of course, to go to uh, another world championships or a Commonwealth games and, and Olympics to enjoy all of the things that I didn't allow myself to enjoy. Mm. Absolutely. I think that'd be a fantastic experience is my identity at this point in my life hinged or surrounded by that. No. And I think that is something that I would enjoy to do. Um, something that I would commit to doing and wanting to do, not because I felt the need or encumbrance to, in fact, do. So that's that's really how it all started. It's really since 2016 up to now. So, you know, six odd years that really been committed to really focusing on who I am, what I am, what where my value lies, and and that's still going on. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it sounds like to me that you've that you've really been on a journey of to find homeostasis, right? Balance. Um, you were you were so far tilted in that in that competitive sort of drive to be the best, and you you achieved all those things. So it's like, and 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 in speaking with you several times, you know, personally at the Wim Hof um, uh, workshop that Michael did, and then at the grand opening, and a few other times that we've spoken, I can sense there's um. And this is what has really drawn drawn me to you, Roland. Is is your your you have a very spiritual energy about you, that 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 speaks to something far greater than any of your accolades could ever could ever reach. So, so I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper into into your own spiritual practice, like like where you find um, find that connection to spirituality, and and whether or not that is something that 
that you've cultivated later on in your life? Or have you always sort of had that draw to, to something higher and higher and greater than us? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. And um, it's, yeah, finding balance is really something that's, that's been a prerogative for me. And mm. because it, like you say, we're so, so awfully skewed the other way. Um, and I think it's just all part of the hero's journey. Mm. You know, for me, it's like, I, put me here, give me the hardest, most difficult things you can throw at me because I know I'm going to get through it, mm. you know? And, and I think early on in life, I was like, oh man, this is too much. I just can't deal with it anymore. And then you deal with it and you figure out and it's like, ah, oh, I see the value in this lesson. I see where this took me. I saw the purpose for this. Mm. And it's very, very difficult to see that in the very, very moment. Um, I know all of us, you know, whether it's a breakup or, whatever it is. And then a year later, you're like, Oh man, thank God. I'm not with that person anymore. Imagine how awful that would have, <laughs> but in that very, very moment, you know, it seems like it's, we're never, ever going to get through it. And our world is absolutely crushed, which it is in that very minute. But as for my spiritual growth and how I connect, it's, you know, like as a kid, we were, we were Methodist. I went to a Catholic school of mm. uh, religion, was very much forced upon us, not, not by my parents, really, but sort of society. South Africa is very, very religious society, which is, is not a bad thing. I think, um, I think religion is actually a beautiful thing. For me, it, you know, I, I started questioning. I was like, well, is, if, if heaven is a place that I go when I die, if the happiest I am ever going to be is when I'm dead, man, that doesn't bode well for my very existence here, you know? So I've got however many years I'm going to be on this earth and, and that's going to be the most miserable I ever am. Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I think I've always, like I said, always been philosophically inclined to, but I have, have and had a deep love for Eastern philosophy and spirituality. And, and it, there were so many questions. I was like, oh, well, if you were a Catholic and you murdered people, that didn't believe things, or if you were, um, you know, whatever it is, all the great wars that have been fought in the name of religion. It's like, man, if, if you believe in a God that's omnipotent and all loving and all caring, but you have to commit mass genocide and kill all these people, it's like, yeah, mm. well, I don't know. I don't know about that God, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. and it's, uh, <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's like, and what makes one God better than the other God? I think it's the viewpoint, the, you know, our belief system. So I heard this beautiful quote years ago. It said, God created us in his image, yet we create God in our image. So we create this image of what God is and who it is and what it is. But the reality is in this, in this brain, we cannot comprehend the magnitude of what God is, what God isn't. So I think it was that, that was really, you know, a driving force to me to understand that, for me, it really is a spiritual journey. It's about understanding that the power of God is within me. If he cre created me in his image, I surely have all the blessings, all the strength, all, all the beauty of what he is, he or she or it is, hmm. and trying to live in alignment with, with that. That's how do I want to treat other people? How do I want to be treated? Hmm. You know, and just, there's so many beautiful religious principles on ways to live life, whether or not it's, um, you know, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, I think they're fundamentals that all of us can adopt to the way we live and treat other people. And I certainly try my very, very best. And it's been an evolution of, of who I am to getting to this point. But for me, yes, spirituality is just trying to be balanced, trying to love myself, you know, unconditionally. Because if I can't love myself unconditionally, how do I expect anybody else around me to love me unconditionally? So that's kind of where I'm at on this growth. I mean, there's obviously far more to it, but I think those are the main points right in this minute. Yeah, my answer, man. Has the way, has the way that you speak to yourself internally shifted or changed as, as, you've, kind of, as you've kind of pushed down further down this path? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think the voice in my head was when I was a kid, uh, my mom dated a guy that was just severely abusive, physically, emotionally. So he beat us up. I mean, he beat me up several times. And so I think the voice in my head came from 
him. So it was really at a transformative period in my life. My mom and dad had got divorced when I was six and sort of he was uh, the male figure in my life. My dad was still there. Uh, my mom and dad were fine and I'd still see my dad a lot, but he was the most prominent male figure around and just that constant, you piece of shit, fuck you, you, you know, and it just, and I found that I didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize that voice and who it was until many, many years later, until, you know, a couple of years ago, then I was like, man, when I call myself those things, it's like, that's, I mean, you know, that the energy we have towards ourselves is always love. But when there's a negative voice, there's a negative energy, where is it coming from? So I think my awareness has gotten a lot better at recognizing, okay, well, if I'm saying something negative to myself, that's not really my voice. I mean, it, it's the voice inside my head, if you know what I mean, but it's not really what I would be saying to myself. It's, it's based on someone who I conditioned myself to believe. Mm. So listening to that voice now and not reacting to it, you know, I think, uh, you know, having a label, uh, you know, it's just like that voice in my head is, uh, you know, whatever my nickname was or, you know, and I, I would do that. I just call the, whenever that voice would come up, I'd be like, you know, that's, that's a scared child. Mm. That's a kid that, you know, that needs love, reassurance and acceptance. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not, and I think the fact that I wasn't even able to give that to myself when that's what I was craving most, Yeah, it just kept on, you know, fuck you, you this, you that, the next thing. And sorry if I'm not allowed to cuss, but. Oh, you're good, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're good. Uh, cool. But yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> hey, that's extreme now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so I think it's, I think the thing that I was craving most, I wasn't able to give myself until, mm. until lately. So my not you know i i think a good thing for me in the development has taken that's taken place is now being able to recognize when that voice comes in and and instead of accepting that that's a truth or fact i can be like huh that's interesting why would i think yeah. that why would i feel that and then being able to be like okay you know it's okay well maybe you didn't do things the way you wanted to do them maybe you're not happy with a specific outcome and that's okay that's being human allow yourself the opportunity to be human allow yourself and afford yourself the opportunity to be vulnerable because that's who we are you know it's there's the masculine and the feminine it's like and you know there's there'll be periods where you skew one direction or the other but can i be sympathetic enough and okay enough when time you know when i need to be with myself and then, of course, like in the world of swimming that I learned is there are times where I need to be focused, that I need to be driven. But if I can be focused and driven from a place of love, from an energy of love, amazing. That's so much more beneficial and so much more positive and assuring than coming from a negative place over and over again. Yeah. Do you, if you had to, if you, you probably have not thought about this, but maybe you have. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is this is we got into one of my most fascinating conversational pieces the the first person second person third person yeah. communication within your brain right it. i w i wonder so i'm i'm starting to develop this theory that all all first person communication in your brain even if it's negative it's uh it's it's positive in that it is accepting responsibility right so if you are saying inside your head i screwed up um that that is a very different thing than you screwed up Right. So, so taking, taking that first person, second person, do you think it sounds like every example you've offered has been either second or third person in, in the negative spectrum communicating with yourself? Do you think that all of your negative communication is done in that second or third person in a, in a you or, or, or Roland or whatever the nickname is, right? Cause his nicknames also count. Mm -hmm. I'd say so. I'd be yeah. willing to say for, for sure. Um, always second. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always you, Yeah. you piece of this, you, that you need to do better, you, this. Um, so the negative for me has largely been second or third. The positive has, you know, always been first. I can do this. I have to do this. I need yeah. to do this. Mm. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting, beautiful. we're getting somewhere on that theory. There, there's some stuff yeah. there. <laughs> I think, it, I think it's a fantastic theory and I think you got something behind it. Yeah. Um, 
so so you mentioned a few times that you were at a place where you didn't know who you were at, at the mm-hmm. end of the swimming. Um, and I also want to get into swimming as meditation. So please don't let me forget yeah. that. <laughs> um, do you feel like today that you know who you are or do you know more of who you are? Yeah, good question. I, I feel like I know more of who I am. Um, and I think the growth is just going to continue day to day, month to month, year, year to year. It's like, I'm, I think the vessel of who I am is here, but with the knowledge is just going to accrue um, to think that I'm the person or in five years, I'm going to be this exact same person. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be the same person in five days from now, uh, which is really cool and, and beautiful. You know, I I struggled to accept maybe years and years ago. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. That's, I don't know. Would, if you're, if you're headed down this path and you haven't called it enlightenment, but if we just, if we use the path and we describe it as enlightenment um, for just to create a generalized kind of terminology that, that people will have an understanding of, do you think that the end of that path is a full realization of who you are? Or is it a full realization of, of way more than that? As, as you spoke about the, the universal, the, the creator, right? And we are all individual creators. We can look at our physicality. We started out as little six to eight pound babies. And here we mm-hmm. are, we have created this physical body. So we know we mm-hmm. are creators that, that exists within us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know when that moment occurs. I think obviously it's, it's different for, for all people. I mean, if you look at the theories and behind Jesus and Buddha that are high for them than most of us, whether, you know, I think it's very, very fortunate if we come to that realization, uh, then you find people on this earth that pass away and they've never contemplated it. So it's, is, is that a blessing or is that a curse to go your entire life without ever considering your humanity and yeah. without ever considering enlightenment? And you just, you're just a beer. You just be and you do. And, and that's cool because I know people like that, that just, yeah. they're impervious to, to it all. There's not a consideration. And it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Nope. Cool. And then there are, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful quality to have, you know, it's sure. like somebody just keeps on knocking their head against a brick wall and it's yeah. just like, oh, and they do it with a huge amount of, you know, enjoyment and, yeah. you know, just, it's just that's just something they do and then there's us that you know are either we're blessed and cursed with Mm. the you know with wanting to be introspective and understanding ourselves and i think you know if we we talk about balance well you need a certain amount of people that are just beers and doers and you need a bunch of people that that are thinkers Mm. Uh, it's you know I, i don't know when that i think it's a journey to enlightenment i think it's all part of the hero's journey uh, whether I think there'll be a specific moment in my life that I'm like, all of a sudden everything turns around. I don't know. I, I think there are moments where mm. in our life, whether we're doing breath work or whatever it might be that it's like, this makes sense. I've, and I, and I think that, I think that the, if there's a knowing, I think we've all had a period in our life or in an experience where there's just a knowing. And I think, trying to contextualize it and verbalize it in a brain that can't necessarily comprehend it is pretty, pretty, is, is really difficult. So I think, you know, there'll be a period in your life in each of our lives, hopefully where it'll just be like, okay, Ah, I get it. You know, exactly. Like you say that big breath. Ah, And I know, you know, from looking at both of your reactions, it's like you've, you've both had those moments in your life and, I think maybe life is just an accumulation of those moments that just continue to reinforce who we are, what we are, why we here. Yeah. I think there's the, there's also some, some, some room there to expand just a little bit. Like for, for me, it's, it's, it's how can I, how can I work in practices and, and, and thought patterns and activities um, that, that create those moments and stretch them out. Like, like mm-hmm. just, just little bit by little bit. And I think over the course of my life and, and, um, I, I played, I played professional golf for a little bit and I played, uh, 
college golf, competitive golf for a number of years. And I would find those moments of, of bliss in, in, in the sport. And, but those, they were fleeting, they were fleeting mm -hmm. moments. Right. So, so the practices that I now have, have instilled like breath work and meditation and yoga and movement and, and conversations like, like we're having right now, those, 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 um, those practices are really, um, an extension of, of what enlightenment could be one day for me. I believe is that I'm just doing things that and trying to put myself in a place where I can lengthen those moments. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, I, so I, this is going to lead me into, into another question that Patrick kind of, kind of tabled there a little bit earlier, how, how swimming and, and this movement, right. Can, can be a form of meditation. Um, and, and did, when you were competing, did you find that in, did you find that peace and stillness in the pool or, or were you so focused and driven on, 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 on results-based, right? Where, mm -hmm. where that was, that, that wasn't captured. Yeah. I think anything you do can be meditative depending on your intention. Ah. You know, so for me, it's like, I've gone out and done sea, like ocean swims mm. that, you know, the, I mean, I did a five kilometer ocean swim where the idea was just swim and I afforded myself the opportunity and the luxury just to be there in that minute. And in that moment, it does become very meditative. And there are, you know, there have been other times where there, um, you know, body surfing or just swimming easy that it does very much become so. But for me, the intention, you know, for the majority of it was there was always a focus point there was always this is either technique driven or this is speed based or mm. energy system specific it is you know for me this there is a purpose there's an intention um and i think that's part of what made me really really good in in sport is because i continued to focus on areas that i needed work um mm. development growth um you know, the, there was always intention. There was always purpose. Uh, I didn't want to unnecessarily waste time by in swimming. They call it garbage yardage or, you know, garbage time where I just, just swam for the sake of swimming. You know, there were certain points in, in a workout where you'd go some easy swimming. Uh, so for me, that would just wouldn't be a focus point, but that was more about recovery and catching your breath back. But I really found you know, in, in racing, you know, that I found, like you said, in, in golf, that you have those moments of flow. Um, so it's, uh, and that was, I think that's why I loved racing so much. Um, it was just a question of like, now I can step up. I'm going to race as fast as I can try and get from point A to point B as quick as I can. And that's it. And there was a certain amount of flow in there. Um, mm. And that could have been meditative, but I believe that anything we do, can be meditative. Uh, it really depends on, on what our intentions are. Our, is our intention to be super, super focused? I mean, because I can go and do a 60-minute hot yoga session where I'm just focused on my form and maintaining everything perfectly and I'm dripping sweat and that's not going to be truly meditative. <laughs> you know. Um, but I can go out and I can run and I can just run for 30 minutes and I can just get stuck with a, you know, a song in my head or through my AirPods and, and I can just be, and I, I think you say it beautifully in terms of, can I find moments, more moments like that, and then be able to extend those moments for longer and longer. So, so, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I want to I want to touch on 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 a concept for both of you guys to chew on a little bit, which is this um, this experience of of an infinite state. Um, so when I think of when I think of those aha moments, for me they are they are opportunities to peek behind the curtain, um, and beyond that curtain there is this this infinite space. And there is this infinite connection and everything that I would describe in those moments is infinite. And the, the, the way we have interpreted Buddhist philosophy in the West is very incremental. And that has uh, really been predominantly the way we think of approaching meditation is this, uh, is this incremental process, right? Uh, this expansion that you guys are talking about, taking a smaller piece and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What I, what I would challenge you to think about is how are you going to count 
to infinity, right? At what point is, is that leap going to have to happen? Because if you, if you are incrementally growing, while there, is, while there is room for expansion, there is also a cap. Because to get to this space uh, of infinity, we need to transcend uh, incremental growth. So when, when you're thinking about these, uh, when you're thinking about these paths and, and how you're working to get there, I always, I always really deeply encourage people to look beyond the, the incremental expansion and see what happens if you just completely let go. Because sometimes that all, that's all it takes, right? It's not, I need to do more, which, which is so freaking common even in meditation, right? It's like, I just gotta do more. Um, but sometimes it's just, I don't need to do anything. I just need to stop right here and let go. And then boom, and everything is there. And it, I, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I think that, I think that the way we've interpreted uh, Buddhist philosophy is, um, is, a little, is a little misshapen in the West. But it is the it is the predominant way that, that we are teaching and approaching um, meditation and enlightenment. So it, it is it's a part of what we are doing, and we, we just have to. Mm-hmm. I just always like to challenge people to think about how you're going to get to infinity, because I think that's where we're. If you're trying to get there, I think that's where you're trying to get. And I don't think everybody's trying to get there, but if you are, I think that's where we're trying to get. Mm-hmm. I think if you're an adult, you'd uh, say one, two, three, four, <laughs> four one. And you'd attempt it, you know, but but when you look at a way a kid might react to that, it'd be like one, two, infinity. You see, I did it. That's exactly right. So it's you know, can we approach things with? Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think so kids I think also like think back to how much joy you could find in like mm. a rock or a stick as a kid, though, right? It's yeah. like one, two pure joy because i found a rock and a stick and i can hit this rock with a stick and that's right. all you need as a little kid it's like one two infinity is the way to go <laughs> right <laughs> definitely definitely so i mean it yeah, i think can we be more childlike in certain ways not childish yeah. but but you know it's like i've got a one of my close friends he his little son had you know, they gave him the Spider-Man outfit for his birthday or Christmas or whenever it was, but like he was trying to climb the wall. Yeah. And he was literally, and, and you couldn't <laughs> tell him that it was impossible because he would try and climb it and he'd try and climb it again and try and sit on the wall and just like everything was based in possibility without any sort of limitation. Yeah. And it's just kind of cool because we do lose that. Yeah. Yeah. Reality sets in and then we, we lose our path back to that back to that space which is i mean climbing walls in a spider-man outfit is a dream come true i would i would love that opportunity right I now still would <laughs> me <Yeah>. too <laughs> i know uh, how, do, how do you access your inner child now roland what 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 because i think that's a really important piece that that we're touching on that i want to expand on a little bit um you know because the inner child we can go down a rabbit hole on inner child work right but i'm, I'm talking about more specifically with with the play aspect of it so, so how do you, how do you ask? Um, I, Cause I think that, that for me, let me, let me speak for myself first, accessing my inner child allows me those moments of bliss. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about the, the kid, your friend's, your friend's child with the Spider-Man outfit. It, it allows me to be Spider-Man for a little while. Like, like, um, so, so is there, is there practices you have that, that you access your inner child? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think I've got a Wonder Woman outfit and I slap that on every night. And... Heck yeah. <laughs> hey, now. Heck yeah. Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't have one of those. No, for me, for me, it's as simple as like, I love cartoons, you know, any Disney, Pixar, um, any of that, whatever it is. I just, I think when I watch cartoons, it's just, I can just be a kid. I, I laugh at it. I cry at it. It's just you know, that affords me the opportunity to just be a kid or be childlike in, in so many ways. And I just think, you know, I, yeah, for most of my life, I didn't afford myself that opportunity. Um, my dad died when I was 14. So it's like, and I remember somebody saying to me, well, now, you know, you're the man in the house. So I think ever since that point in time, I was like, okay, well, kid's not an option anymore. Yeah. you got to be a man, you know? So I think having, you know, adapted to 
other people's beliefs on who I am and what I should do and how I should be and act has been something I've done well for my entire life and moved, you know, forced me further and further away from who I am authentically, uh, my true nature. So I think it's, it's about reconnecting with that. And I, I do find it in, in cartoons. I find it in, you know, being able to laugh with friends, um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to incorporate it in all aspects in my life. I don't want it to be restricted to just one thing because that to me just plays into the way it used to be. You know, if I'm just, you're only allowed to be childlike when you watch cartoons, you're only allowed to be childlike when you wear a Wonder Woman outfit. You know, it's just like, that's just too limiting. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to be childlike in everything I do, yeah. you know, whether it's driving the car and honking at people and, yeah. you know, or, just just enjoying everything um i think you know being able to be like oh this is cool what an experience because i met this person a couple of you know probably a month or two ago and he just had this childlike innocence about him he's like you know, if you think about will ferrell from the movie elf yeah that was him <laughs> you know it's just like everything's amazing and everything is cool and it's just it's like how can i incorporate more moments of that into my life yeah shoot that's a good thing to incorporate more moments of your life i mean yeah I mean, there's something there's something so endearing about that character in elf right that character is is the is that movie that i i don't remember anything about that movie but i know everything that you love about that character yeah absolutely who that that is yeah that's a good one um i think we identify sorry i think we identify with that person yeah. You know, we we see it it's like yeah. i think part of us envy it it's like yeah it's just, you recognize it right look, away yeah 100 percent. and i think that's part of why people love it what draws each of us exactly like you say it's like that's really the part you remember because that's the part you really connect with yeah yeah it's that yeah. side of you it's like a, it's like a mirror you know it's the side of you that Definitely. that you that you that you want to to access exactly right 100%. my wife yeah, my wife and I watched that. We have that on, on DVR, and it's it's we watch that de- December like once or twice a week, man. <laughs> it's it's just it's it doesn't get old. Yeah, exactly. No, right. no, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, so to steer to steer back to tune back in to this inner working space, mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question that I am asking. Uh, that I'm asking everybody, and I want to allow a little bit more opportunity for this. So number one, do you have a traditional meditative practice? Meditation was something that I I would do a lot of, um, or try and do a lot of. For me, it's, once again, it's, I, whatever I do on a daily basis, I'm trying to have that be meditative. I'm trying to be there in that moment, because I'm very, very guilty of, okay, well, I've got the laptop on and I'm working and I've got the TV on and that's just background noise. And then yeah. I've got my cell phone. I'll check that every now and then, and then I'll stand up and it's just moving. You know, there are too many moving parts yep. It's for me at least. And, and I feel like that's my tendency. So like, I want to be better about incorporating every single aspect of my life into being meditative. It's just like being a kid. I, I don't want just one minute to be there because then I can just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to dedicate these 10 minutes and I'm just going to sit there for, okay, cool. I'm done. You know, and whew, that, yeah. whereas trying to force myself into, okay, well, when I drive, just, just drive, focus on what you're doing. Not, not only is that good for everybody else, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's good for you. It's you know, it's yeah. like when I'm reading, it's like, I love being on an airplane and reading because all I have to do all I choose to do in that very minute is, is read, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I can't get up and walk around for any length unless I really want to go to the bathroom. Um, I mean, maybe there's a air air marshal that sees me walking around too often and doesn't like the looks of that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's just like, even, um, yeah, it's just everything I'm trying to do. I, mean, I don't do it well for the most vast majority of the time, but I'm trying to be, better about everything being meditative just really focusing on what i'm doing in that very very minute are there any principles tools or tweaks that you find yourself constantly going back to 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 realign yourself into a more present space 
Yeah, breath work, without yeah. a doubt. For, yeah. for me, you know, the breath. And when I have meditated, it's just been about trying to reconnect with my breath, hmm. about the only thing that I, I really have control over in that minute. So whatever my journeys have been, it's just like, okay, we'll reconnect with the breath. So in the morning, pranayama, uh, whether it's Wim Hof, whatever it might be, just, just breathing, you know, whether I'm, I'm stressed out, happy, whatever it is, it's just about what I've found really to be the most beneficial and influential for me is, you know, taking, paying notice to, am i holding my breath am i breathing excessively what am i doing it's like okay <sighs> deep breath calm my state down and and that's yeah, that, that really has worked in large part for me it's there's so there's, there's a couple things i want to touch on there's ever since that wim hof workshop my, my, my meditations have turned into breath work. It's, it's very mm. interesting that you're, that you're saying this. So I used to be the person that would carve out, set my timer for 20 minutes, close my eyes, have my crystal in my hand, light my incense, you know, one of these checking the time, mm. when, when am I done? And, and that, and that has, has shifted to the, to the breath being the, being the, being the connection to spirit um, mm -hmm. being, being the language of the spirit, if you will. And, and then after I get done with my Wim Hof breath work there for 10, 15 minutes, I, I let that, I let, I let go of that, of that, of that last breath. And then it's, and then it, it's as if, it's as if the breath is like that gateway to, to the meditation now for me. And right. it's, and it's, they're all, it's all interconnected, but, but it's interesting that you, you have some of the same awareness as that. Yeah. yeah I mean, the breath is the first thing we take which says we're alive and we exhale and we're no longer alive. So yeah. it certainly is a gateway, 100% yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it's such an interesting, uh, I, that reality, right? That they, the very first thing we'll do is inhale and the very last thing we'll do is exhale is such a fascinating window into the frailty and the reality of who we are. And, and so, so, if we utilize you guys, you guys are right in the middle of Wim Hof here. So it, if we utilize Wim Hof um, and you, you take this oxygen increasing the, the second, the second cycle where we increase oxygen in the blood, right? Um, there's that, there's generally a moment of clarity afterwards where, where we, we can sit in a space where we're not sitting there with our eyes closed thinking. And there's something, there's something else going on. So I think what I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm really trying to differentiate the experience that people have internally once they transcend uh, seated eyes, closed thinking and, and, and put themselves into a space of um, connecting with some type of a creator, connecting to something mm -hmm. bigger than, than the experience that they thought might've been available. And I think Wim Hof offers a, offers a pretty nice pathway into that, that time afterwards is just the, the, the opportunity is wonderful. So it, in that post Wim Hof breath timeframe, that 10, 15 minutes that to an hour, whatever the clarity stays with you, is there anything that you can identify that's going on internally? Or is there any experience that you can describe to help people who maybe have never been beyond eyes closed thinking in a meditative space to transcend to, so that there's just a little hint or a little thread to help people blast off beyond that, beyond that space. Hmm. Ryan, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I've already answered this one, man. This is all you. <laughs> I don't think you actually have, Brian. I don't think we, we, we talked about it, but we never did this. Damn it. <laughs> So let me, let me give my explanation because I, I touched on it earlier and I don't think I've ever talked about it, but for me, um, I, I use some specific Kriyas. Uh, the Kriyas opened up this, this pathway hundred percent of the time where I, 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 there's a curtain and I describe it as a curtain cause it's very permeable. Um, I can, I can shift back and forth. So I, I can go into this infinite space and, um, I can connect with things that are, are just beyond my ability to comprehend. But then I can also pull myself back and be like back in this reality. 
and I can hear things that are going on in this reality and I can allow this reality to be a place and then I can make a conscious decision. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going back in. So mm. for me, there is like a curtain, a very permeable curtain that I, I have found a doorway into and the doorway hasn't closed yet. Um, every time I, every time I try to access it, it's there. Certainly the more frequently I access it, the easier it is to find. Um, and that, that is, that is a very, very, very interesting thing. There's definitely a practice component to this, yeah. but I also think that for most, for, for most paths, um, you know, Wim Hof doesn't, Wim Hof is a very interesting, um, an interesting procedural component, right? Because he's not really talking, especially if you look at Wim Hof before his son got involved, right? He's not really talking about enlightenment. He's talking about like revitalization of the, of the mm -hmm. physical being of the mm -hmm. body that we are living within. And then um, utilizing that revitalization to just feel electric and alive. And I think that feeling electric and alive is, is also a pathway into this infinite space because I, I venture to guess both of you, and maybe I'm wrong about this. I make assumptions that I'm always wrong, but there's likely a time when as, as little children, you felt amazing, just physically amazing about everything. And then as you start to feel those like physical pulls, right? As the musculature around the sternum starts to tack down a little bit because we haven't mobilized the, the breastplate we start to experience discomfort and discomfort makes us feel different. But if you can get to that place where your body just feels electric and alive, you now are, you now are at a precipice of being able to do things that you can't do if you physically feel miserable, or if you feel physically feel energetically depleted. So, so maybe it's just, Hey, when I am here, like I feel the tingling sensation that comes with Wim Hof, right? Like my body mm -hmm. pulses with, energy that I can't describe. And I think that's a pretty common Wim Hof experience. Has, did it happen? Did, did that experience happen for either of you? Is that a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there are a couple of things to unpack there. It's just like, so, I mean, some people just, I mean, that's why some people turn to drugs for you sure. know, because Absolutely that's it down. the yeah. disconnect. I for sure. disconnect from my thinking, from who I am, from, my reality in that very minute, whether my reality is good or bad, and I just, I'm in bliss. I see heaven. I find my creator. Yeah. Like, okay. Yes. It, you know, and that's, and that's, that's one way to do it. It's certainly not the best way to do it, but mm. that that's a component. And if somebody feels that need, then, then who am I to say no? You know, then yeah. you know, some people use medicines and that's their ability or, you know, it reveals to them the areas in their life that need growth or it affords them the opportunity in that very, very minute to be connected with themselves. You know, if yeah. I think just when you're connected with yourself on the most intimate and basic level, then you're connected to source. Mm. Going back to, you know, the power of God is with, within each of us. You know, so yeah. you're just reconnecting with who you are at the very basic level. At least that's the way I see it. So, you know, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, where you are in, with your practice, I think you're light years ahead of me. Um, and I think, you know, when you said it's the more you do it, the better you get at it, or the easier it is to, you know, get that curtain to, to move away. And, and I just think about riding a bike. Like if you rode a bike for the first time when you're five and you fell and you're like, F that, I'm not getting back on that thing. <laughs> sure. Dangerous. You know, and then and then you tried it when you were nine again, and you fell yeah. again. You like like that. I'm not getting back on that bike. And then <laughs> yeah. you just every few years you try. I mean, are you going to be good at riding a bike? No. Are you going to be great at falling? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you going to have yeah. a lot of scars? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I do feel like any practice, whether medita meditation or not, is is like that. Mm. It's like being able to, you know, just go through the motions initially. You know, whatever it is we've done, you know, there is a period of learning. There is a period of frustration and, and getting to the point where this isn't going to work for me. I don't think. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get it. doesn't matter you know, whatever we do in life. And I, I do, in my opinion, think meditation is very similar. The more you try and connect with yourself, 
the better you get at connecting with yourself. But a lot of us, you know, me included, Brian, you, you know, you said it yourself, you're sitting there for 10, 15 minutes. Haven't, hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. And I was like, eh, well, I could spend 10 minutes meditating or 10 minutes checking Instagram, yeah. which is more rewarding. <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> sign me up, baby. You know, and it's just, uh, I think if we, if we look at the process, you know, and focus on that process of, okay, well, today it might be great. Tomorrow it might not be. And, yeah. but I'm committed. I choose to do this, um, mm. you know, and, and giving, giving ourselves a period of time. So do I know what that feels like? Probably, probably not quite as much as, you know, as you do, Patrick, but it's, you know, I think through breath work, yeah, definitely you get to that point where you connect with your body instead of connecting with the mind over and over and over again. And when you connect with the body on that level, um, you know, when you've given yourself 10, 15 minutes to just do, you know, yeah, I guess just connect with yourself. It's, it does wonders. There's a, there's a, there's a real, there's a real big, big piece for me. And some of the deepest meditations that I've been in is, is the, is the feeling that there's, so there's a connection to the body first that I experience. And then if I can, then it's almost as if the body goes away, it dissolves away into, into connection. So I, so connection to my spirit to, 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 to God. Right. I think that's, that's a good probably analogy for it. And, and, and for me, after the Wim Hof breathing is over, there's of course a, a tingling sensation. There's, there's a, just a, I feel, I feel high on my own supply as, as, as he, as he, as he coined the, the phrase, right. As Wim did. Um, and then there's, for me, the next, the next few breaths are, are on the exhale specifically are, are simply trying to to let it go, to to let everything go, to let the feeling of my body go, to let the to let the breath go, and and to, and to almost almost to, to like if you were standing on the edge of a pool and you turn around and you did one of those trust falls into the pool, it was almost as if like the pool could be like all of consciousness in and of itself, and I'm I'm just trying to let go into the pool. In, and, and, and then I'll, and then I'll get, I'll, I'll be falling halfway and the mind will kick in and I'll say, no, no, let go. So it's just like this, it's like, um, this teeter tottering effect. And I'm not sure if I've ever landed in, in the pool yet, but, but I'm certainly like teetering there. If, if that makes sense. Like it's, right. it's, yeah, it's, um, and like you said, it's a, it's a practice. So every time that I can sit and, and, and I'm afforded the opportunity to wake up another day is, is, is brings, it brings so much joy to me because I get to try all these things every morning. I get to try my breath out again. I get to try the, the stillness piece. I get to try to mm. fall in the pool, you know, and whether or not I make it into the pool is really not the point. The point is the practice. The point is, is the, is the journey, right? Not the destination. I know everyone says that it's always this, this phrase that we use now, um, but, but if you can really rely on the, on the procedure, the steps, like, like that is, is the, is, is the blissful part f for me. Mm -hmm. I think, I think an interesting thing that I've contemplated is, you know, by virtue of being human, we're always connected, mm. you know, so to find a time to reconnect, well, that sort of suggests that we're not connected. Mm. Yeah. You know, so mm. for me, in my opinion of, of being connected, we're always connected. Yeah. It's finding moments where we strip away everything that we're not, um, the thinking, the technology, the people, mm. the beliefs that we've been conditioned to, to think and accept and stripping all of that away and being ourselves yeah. for that moment, for those moments. Um, because, yeah, I, I just, you know, at a point I was like, man, if it's like heaven, if, if we are finding space to be or find a connection or be connected again, man, that's just the rest of us. That means we just spend the most of our time disconnected. Now, I know it may seem that way and the things that we do may in fact be disconnected, but mm. if we're spiritual beings, you know, surely 
we're always connected to source. Mm. If we're not spiritual beings, okay, then maybe, then, then maybe we're disconnected and finding a way to connect to something ourselves or something else, whatever it might be. But for me, the idea has always been like, well, not always, but really lately, how can I strip away all the things that I'm not Mm. and really be more authentically me in that very minute because then i know i'm connected yeah thanks for that awareness man that 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 gave me like butterflies that's that's super <laughs> rad yeah that's not, not the burrito you had earlier yeah, no no <laughs> and not, not not in the wonder woman costume way way either okay okay good <laughs> <laughs> okay okay we're i had to turn that around. one around on you <laughs> No, I'm not gonna. I, I got okay. So here's what I got for you guys. Since we've done so much Wonder Woman, since we've done so much Wonder Woman talk, and this podcast is gonna come out on November first, one day after Halloween. So what mm. are we dressing up as? Oh, I can't do Wonder Woman again. I mean, I keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> gotta be something else. I mean, Wonder Woman is just like my regular going to bed outfit. I mean, <laughs> that's a Tuesday. I wonder if you have the crown and everything, man. That's what I'm curious about. I, I don't make it look as nearly as good as Gal Gadot, though. Yeah, I tell you what, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, Halloween, man. He has a novel idea, just going as ourselves. Mm, I mean, that's that. That's an outfit. That is, man. Shit, that is. Yeah, something. how interesting. I mean, how how many interesting conversations could you have if yeah. uh, if you showed up and you just said, "I am exactly who I am tonight. Like, I am not hiding behind anything. I am just wow. me. Ask me anything you want. I will be me." <laughs> That'd be powerful. I, I yeah. think a lot of people would see and feel a lot of freedom in that yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um it wouldn't be as much fun as wonder woman yeah i mean it depends it depends it could be be way more fun yeah Yeah. (laughs) it depends on who you're hanging out with that's it (laughs) yeah i that is a really fascinating i mean halloween and it it is this opportunity to hide right like we Mm. are literally saying hey we are going to put on a mask yep. and we're going to go do the things that we want to do all the time, but we're going to do them behind this, the, behind this thing. So you don't really know who I am so I can do whatever I want. It is a really interesting analogy that I hadn't thought of at all that you just summed up so beautifully there right. is that, yeah, this Halloween, go as yourself and like yeah. be authentically you. Yeah. And like be the socially like inept being that you like really are and like get stuck at a party where you know no one and like mm-hmm. introduce yourself to people and freaking that sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why do girls, I mean, obviously no generalization, people dress up on Halloween and they act yeah. slutty, yeah. get yeah. wasted and do yeah. everything. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because... They they're wearing a mask. Yeah. It's not the day where you're allowed are. to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So yeah. can you do that without the mask? No, most people can't because they fear judgment. I can do all of this because I have a mask on. Nobody's sure. going to judge me because it's Halloween. I have a day and I have an outfit, and this is just expected from today <laughs> to be myself. Expected. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. yeah. yeah beautiful point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. This was um this was a really really fun opportunity. I um I cannot thank you enough. I've appreciated the heck out of this. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Thank you so very much for having me, in, and I appreciate your, you know, the fact that it's taken this long, and you guys just being okay with it, and uh, I'm glad we made it happen. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate the consideration. Yeah. yeah for sure, thank brother. You, man. <clears throat> Brian, any yeah. any final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to echo Patrick's thoughts, um, Roland. You know, it's um, we always talked with a bunch of stuff going on around us. It's just really nice to like carve out this time to to connect on a deeper level, man. I I, I knew I liked you from the moment we we said hello, um, and it's and it's just a, it's it's been a, it's been a joy, man. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's uh, you know just giving me the platform, just an opportunity to speak to you guys, get to know you better is. It's really cool um, being able to, to connect with others um, yeah. that are like-minded and you know, yeah. just are committed 
to growth and development and, and sharing our messages. I think so many of us are scared to share because we're, we don't want to be judged. And I was of that opinion. Like I cannot be seen as weak. Don't be seen as weak. You're an elite athlete. Don't show your emotions. Don't. Whatever you do, don't be human. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. So, you know, can we just find more people that we can be authentically ourselves with is, is really such a blessing in, in times like these. So I appreciate you guys having me on. These conversations only give other people the opportunity to show their best, you know, to be their highest and their best. Gives them permission. So thanks for being a part of that, man. Appreciate you. You're so very welcome. Thanks, guys. Have a great one out there, and uh, we'll see you and chat to you soon. You too. Thank you. See you, Roland. Cheers. Bye. Bye.